Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 102nd edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Today, our topic is strategic planning, your law firm's map to success. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks to CloudMask, which offers cost-effective and efficient data encryption for law firms, whether large or small, in Google Apps, Office 365, and other cloud solutions. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at www.cloudmask.com. Thanks to ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers, Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. Thanks to our sponsor, Scorpion, which delivers award-winning law firm web design and online marketing programs to get you more cases. Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms, just like yours, attract new cases and grow their practices. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. We are very pleased to have as our guest, John Remsen, the president of the Remsen Group. John is widely recognized as one of the country's leading authorities on law firm leadership, management, marketing, and business development. Since 1997, the Remsen Group has worked with more than 350 law firms to help them develop and implement long-term strategic objectives to improve cohesiveness, performance, and profitability. In 2002, John created the Managing Partner Forum, a highly acclaimed conference series for law firm leaders. Thanks for joining us today, John. Well, Jim and Sharon, thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to participate, and uh, especially this being the 102nd edition of your podcast series, so I'm glad to be here. We've been recording for a while, and, and we're sure happy to have you. John, you've worked with hundreds of mid-sized firms for more than 25 years. Why do you believe it is so important for them to have firm-wide strategic plan? Well, uh, Jim, I have been working with uh, law firms for a good long time, and uh, you know as well as I do that uh, it is a profession. We should never lose sight of that. But it's important that law firms and their leaders recognize that we are running a business. And I think it's difficult to run a successful business without a plan that sets forth where you're going, how you're getting there. Not easy to attract investors, not easy to attract employees, not easy to get a loan uh, if you don't have some kind of business plan. And I'm not sure what makes law firms exempt from the idea of having a vision, a plan, and some initiatives in place to take you where you want to go. As, as we often hear, absent a plan, absent a roadmap, uh, any path gets you there. So I, I think, you know, in light of the, the tumultuous change in the profession, now more than ever, it's important for firms of all sizes from solo practitioners up to the largest firms in the world, uh, have some sort of notion where they're going, 
how they're getting there. It's, it's absolutely critical in this day and age. And it's shocking, we'll look at some statistics, the number of firms that don't have strategic plans in place. Well, it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot that don't. I think all the the AMLA 200 firms, all of those firms would probably have them in place. But I would imagine the further down the food chain you go, the fewer places have plans. Would would that be accurate? Well, that's absolutely accurate, Sharon. I would think every AMLA 100, AMLA 200 firm has a firm-wide strategic plan. That's how they got to be. AMLAW 200 firms, and that's how they're emerging as the uh, leaders uh, in in the global marketplace for legal services. I tend to work with mid-law, and I define that as 25 to 200 lawyers, generally speaking, Uh, but what's mid-law in New York? Very different than mid-law in Topeka, Kansas, but um, that's my sweet spot. And, uh, you know, you're looking at 10, 20, 100 million dollar businesses. These are legitimate enterprises, and we have found Uh, And we've been asking this question in a variety of surveys over the years that about 40% of the mid-sized firms will report that they have a written firm-wide strategic plan, just 40%. And of those that do, we'll we'll look at some statistics, the, the positive results that have occurred as a result. So. It's shocking to me that more smaller and mid-sized firms haven't taken the time to identify where they're going, how they're getting there. And, um, Again, I have some pretty compelling data to suggest why it's a good idea to have a plan. Do you think it's harder to have a plan in the, in the digital era and with the globalization and the constant fluctuation of markets? Does that increase the complexity of trying to have a good plan? Well, I hear that excuse. You know, why should we have a plan? Everything's changing so fast. Our plan will become irrelevant, you know, two weeks after we develop and approve it. Uh, I think it calls all the more reason for a plan because there is so much turbulence and uncertainty and waters are murky and, and there's a lot of nervousness among lawyers, you know, where their firms are going. Succession, huge issue I, I encounter with mid-sized firms. But I think the fact that things are murky and there is turbulence underscores why it's important to have a sense of where we're taking the ship and how we're getting there. John, there's planning and there's action of the firms that do have a plan. How are they doing with implementation? Well, that's a good segue, Jim. And uh, I have some very, very fresh data that speaks to this very issue. And we find of firms with a plan, about 40% of midsize, C's and D's, uh, are common grades they assess on implementation. Uh, very few firms, less than 5%, will give themselves an excellent score on the implementation front. Uh, about a third give themselves a B, but uh, about 60% give themselves C's and D's on the implementation side. And uh, planning without successful implementation is a missed opportunity. And despite, however, uh, the poor reports on implementation, Of those with a plan, 90% will attribute improved performance to the planning exercise. That's pretty compelling data. And, you know, how do we define improved performance? Cohesiveness, profitability, long-term sustainability, you know, growth are, are, I think, common ways we define, you know, successful execution of a plan. So 90% of firms have reported improved performance if they had a strategic plan. What other kind of results are you seeing, John? Well, I think it depends on how we you know, define performance. Is it improved profitability? Is it improved cohesiveness and internal communication, uh, sharing, teamwork, a firm-first culture? Uh, 
is it addressing succession planning issues, often uh, neglected? These are difficult issues, helping the senior partners find their way, uh, you know, to of council status or full retirement and grooming your future leaders for success. And these are all ingredients that I commonly see in plans for smaller and mid-sized firms. So I think, you know, how do you define improved performance? Generally, I think it's firm first, cohesiveness, sharing teamwork. It's profitability in terms of, you know, uh, profits per equity partner, uh, or maybe revenue per lawyer, a couple of ways we might could define that. Rising tide floats all boats. Uh, or, uh, you know, succession planning and some of these other initiatives. Cohesiveness, sustainability. Seventy percent of first-generation firms don't survive the founding partners. That's an alarming but true statistic. And I'm, I'm dealing with that one quite a bit in, in working with smaller and mid-sized law firms where the founders are are looking to, you know, transition their firms. And they haven't done much about it up till now. John, I spend a lot of time working with lawyers and law firms, probably mostly smaller firms than your sweet spot. And I, I see a lot of lawyers really concerned about the pace of change and keeping up with change. What are the top priorities you see now among the mid-sized firms? And we ask firms from time to time what their top priorities are. What are they focusing on in terms of long-term strategic objectives? And by far and away, number one is marketing and business development. Firms are really tuning into how important that's become in these increasingly competitive times. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it starts with your existing clients and getting closer than ever to them and then going after new clients with a rifle. You know exactly what you're shooting for, and you're aligning resources accordingly. Uh, I think as well, associate development and training, bringing on talent and keeping talent. The Gen X, Gen Y, millennials are wired differently. They want mentoring. They want feedback. They want to know they're part of something bigger. Uh, They're content with a non-equity partnership track in many cases. And are you building culture and policies and procedures to attract and accommodate your future lawyers, your future leaders? I see firm governance uh, an issue and uh, streamlining that, uh, a little more structure, a little more codification in terms of how we run the place, what decisions are brought to the full partnership, what decisions rest with an executive committee, how that executive committee is constituted, and then what decisions rest with a managing partner. We, uh, at our managing partner programs, emphasize leadership uh, more so than management. And just the title, managing partner, suggests process, procedures, management, uh, not as dynamic, bold, strong as leadership. And I think, you know, in these turbulent times, a plan, strong, committed, passionate leadership are really, really important. Succession, something we see a lot of. I mentioned earlier transitioning firms from their founding partners uh, to the next wave of new firm owners um, and making sure that that's a smooth, steady uh, process. Those are some of the things I see quite a bit, internal communication, really fundamental stuff in working with uh, smaller and mid-sized law firms. You know, left alone, the firm tends to silo up. We, we get consumed with what's on our desks and lose sight what's going on down the hall, up the next floor, cross state in the branch office. And what are we doing to make sure that uh, we are communicating on a regular and frequent basis? I feel connected to the firm. And by communicating, I'm not suggesting for decision-making purposes, but for for marketing and business development. 
and sharing and teamwork and collaboration, something the Gen X, Gen Yers certainly want to see, uh, something that I think will contribute to a more effective marketing and business development program. If we're working together, we share, we coordinate, play off each other's strengths, we can do a heck of a lot more than if we operate like a you know, collection of sole practitioners, uh, each doing our own thing. So those are some of the things I see uh, quite a bit out there. Uh, I suggest firms keep it really, really simple. There's a tendency to want to take on a lot of initiatives as you get into a planning process. Great ideas surface through the planning process, but we can't do it all. And I think it's really, really important to prioritize and focus on a handful of meaningful initiatives and not try to take on too much. That's a common mistake. John, you mentioned millennials, and that's something that I hear a lot from law firm management and strategic planners, and millennials are making them pull their hair out. Yes. In what, way are, in what way are they addressing the problems that they see being caused by millennials, especially their, uh, what seems to be a tendency to bolt every year or two? Well, we uh, at our managing conferences do this polling technology. And we asked some questions uh, as to how you're dealing with millennials. And one of the questions we asked is, um, have you lost a partner or associate that you were sorry to see go in the last year? And uh, 58% said yes. Likelihood that you'll see lawyers walk out the door going forward compared to five years ago, higher. Are you using psychological assessment tools as you onboard and assess your talent? Hell no. We're a law firm. We don't use those. Interesting stuff going on here. But then we asked a series of questions. Here's one. What statement best describes the challenges your firm has faced attracting and retaining XY millennials? And most report significant and moderate challenges in this area. What are you doing about it, we asked. Are you providing leadership training and development for your young lawyers? 41%. Check that. 63%. No. They want leadership training. They want a leadership development. They want a firm that's willing to invest in them and their futures. Here's one way we can start is through an associate development and training program. Uh, Maybe a quarterly meeting, bring them together, present topics they're interested in. And it's often the stuff they don't learn in the law school that's really become important as a well-rounded young lawyer. The soft skills, the marketing, the business development, the time management, the billing strategies and such. Is your firm providing marketing and business development training for its young lawyers? Uh, Here's an area where we are seeing more and more investment in the business development skills of young lawyers, and and it's being very well received in most cases by young lawyers. They want a firm that's willing to invest in their careers, their long-term success. They want transparency and leadership. They want internal communication, mentoring, feedback, all these things. So I think if, you know, the, the old guys, and, and, you know, I hear them, and they tend to be the old white guys in the corner offices. Back when I was a baby lawyer, I didn't have all that. No, you didn't. Uh, but chances are you had a stay-at-home housewife raising the kids, and you were consumed with your career. And uh, you've had a great career, but young kids today just aren't quite wired like that. Some are but many, many, many aren't. And a lot of senior partners vexed by this issue. But you've got to be willing to evolve and adapt. Yes, we do, or we risk becoming dinosaurs ourselves. Absolutely. Um, that's for sure. But we're seeing it happen, Sharon. You're seeing it happen, Jim. I'm sure you're seeing happen all around us. 
firms are not evolving. They're not adapting. It's the way we've always done things around here. And next thing you know, you're finding yourself selling buggy whips, and you don't want to be that firm. <laughs> oh, I, I do hope not. But with such success that's been achieved by the firms that are actually doing the planning, why on earth aren't all firms doing this planning? Why are they missing this opportunity to better themselves? Uh, and that's a great question, and I ask myself that often because we, we have developed very compelling data clearly demonstrating, and it's, it's held out over time, that firms that plan and invest the energy, the resources, the time are emerging as leaders going forward and uh, are reporting uh, improved performance. Why aren't more firms doing it? I think because we're doing okay without one. Uh, one of the questions we asked at our managing partner conference just last month here in Atlanta, how's your firm performing financially in 2016 as, a, as opposed to budget? And um, 60% are doing as expected or better than expected. Almost 50% are doing better than expected. You know, Covey writes about it in Good to Great. The enemy of great is good enough. And I think there's a lot of pushback from partners. We've never done that before. We're doing okay without it. It's going to surface issues that we're sweeping under the rug and hoping they go away, and that strategy works just fine for 30 years, 40 years. I don't think it's going to work going forward, uh, but, but I hear lots of pushback where a managing partner sold can't sell the partners. It takes time to invest in a, a strategic plan, and we're dealing with entities that tend to obsess on the billable hour. So now you're going to ask me to invest all this non-billable time in a strategic plan? Uh, we're doing okay without it. So I think it costs time. It costs money. How much money? Well, you know, it depends. Do you bring in an outside consultant? Do you go out and interview clients? Do you hire some competitive intelligence? Bring that to bear on your plan. Uh, it does take time. It does take money. It's an investment in your future. Maester talks about this in a lot of his writings. True Professionalism is a highly recommended book, often recommending that one. And he talks about billable hours. That's fine for today's income. They are important. What we do with our non-billable time, however, far more important because that determines our future. And if we're not investing in our people, our firm, our clients, we're being awfully short-sighted. And it's amazing to me, Sharon and Jim, how many small and mid-sized firms measure the billable hour and the billable hour only, and this non-billable stuff doesn't matter much. So it's hard to get firms and, and, and rank-and-file lawyers to focus on these longer-term firm-building initiatives. Uh, this is a relatively new phenomenon. In the old days, you hung a shingle. It was a seller's market. You couldn't advertise. You couldn't market. You know, it was a different day. But we all know the, what's going on. There are too many lawyers out there. We've got more sophisticated and demanding clients, technology, globalization, a new generation of lawyers with different expectations and requirements. Change is all around us. And if we're not looking forward, we're losing ground. And um, we see great law firms falling apart all around us, every day. And it's shocking to me more light bulbs don't go off. John, I do think sometimes uh, some of these uh, managing partners, when you talk about strategy and change management, they feel like they're being asked to uh, overhaul the engines on an airplane without landing the airplane. And I think that's a challenge for all of them. I, I would agree. 
And I think, you know, as, as a firm gets into a planning exercise, you know, you have to look at what's realistic, what's achievable, pick your battles. Uh, nothing crazy here. We're not talking about major overhauls. Uh, it's little things that will make a big difference to our law firm in the long haul. And I've tried to really tune into history and culture and the personalities we're dealing with because what might work for Firm A won't work for Firm B. The ingredients just aren't there. But I think trying to get a sense among the owners of the place where we're taking this ship, we're all on it, and getting everybody with that shared vision, rowing in the same direction, contributing to their best, highest and best use to the firm, uh, these are all good things that we should be working toward. And it starts with communication. It starts with, I think, often a firm retreat. And let's talk about it, where we're going with this ship and how we're getting there. Okay, before we move on to the rest of the podcast, let's take a quick commercial break. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the country. Connect your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and the rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit ServeNow.com. Not getting enough cases from the internet? The kind of cases you want? Scorpion can help. Over the last 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours attract new cases and grow their practices. During this time, Scorpion has won over 100 awards for its law firm website design and online marketing success. Join the thousands of law firms which partner with Scorpion and start getting more cases today. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com slash podcast. In recent years, the legal sector has come under increasing pressure to improve efficiency and client services. CloudMask enables law firms and solo attorneys to leverage free and low-cost software as a service, such as Google Apps and Office 365, to improve efficiency and client service while reducing costs, strengthening compliance with data privacy laws, and ensuring that ethical duties are met. CloudMask encryption is even certified by 26 governments around the world. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is strategic planning, your law firm's map to success. And our guest is John Remsen, Jr., the president of the Remsen Group. John, how would you recommend that a law firm start the strategic planning process? Well, I think that um, if it's a first-time effort, it's a little different than if we've done this before and we're just sort of revisiting and updating our plan. So I'll start with a firm that's never gone through the process before. And often it's a young partner, new guy, new gal on the executive committee who's really pushing the initiative and wants to see the firm put a plan in play. And, and there's often pushback from some of the senior lawyers who might be threatened by change. Fascinating article, by the way, a series of articles if you've never read Larry Richard's work on the lawyer personality, What Makes Lawyers Tick. His blog is called Lawyer Brain. And uh, he's done a lot of research on the lawyer personality, and uh, lawyers are skeptics. Surprise, surprise. They hate change. 
They hate anything they perceive as risky. They like precedence. Uh, they like autonomy. They have a high sense of urgency. Lawyers are not an easy group to, uh, to bring to consensus uh, to initiate change. And I think understanding what you're dealing with is important. I think it's important to create the case, create the sense of urgency. Uh, distribute articles to your partners. Uh, just FYI, here's what's going on out there. Boy, look at all these great results the firms that are doing this are reporting. Shouldn't we be doing something similar? Uh, my boss was brilliant at making lawyers think his idea was theirs. Uh, he was a non-lawyer CEO back in the 80s. And he was brilliant at finding articles that were top of mind among the equity partners of the firm and circulating them. FYI, in light of uh, recent discussions at partnership meetings. And he just waits for that senior partner with a lot of clout, one of the influencers, to come back and say, why aren't we doing this? Brilliant strategy to sell an idea to your partners. If you go to our website, uh, which is managingpartnerforum.org, we've got a bunch of articles on strategic planning, a bunch of benchmarking data that will help you kind of sell your firm on the idea. I think if it's a first-time effort, it's important to kind of frame some of the issues. I often will begin with a session called Characteristics of Today's Most Successful Law Firms. Uh, lawyers respond to facts and statistic and precedent. Uh, so showcase that and kind of set the stage as to what's going on out there in the market, what successful firms are paying attention to that make them successful. Kind of prime the pump. Uh, I think it's important to include all the firm owners. Uh, you're much more likely to buy into uh, whatever the outcome is if you've been involved in the process. So I think in, through online surveys, uh, a series of confidential interviews, it's important to engage all of the owners of the firm uh, so their opinions are heard and they've had a chance to weigh in on the thing. I also think it's important to include your associates and staff. They love being asked. They have great ideas. They want to feel part of the team. Engage them. So make it a very, very inclusive process. I think a, a retreat is a great way to present the initiatives and get the buy-in, the enthusiasm, and some specificity to what the short-term goals and objectives are. So, you know, I challenge firms, look out five years. What do you want to see in that crystal ball in terms of our size, in terms of our practice mix, our client mix, our geographic footprint. And see if we can't develop some consensus among the owners as to what we want to see in that crystal ball. Is there an appetite for growth? How do we feel about mergers, acquisitions, being acquired by a regional or national firm? There are a number of firms out there, that's one of their strategic objectives, to go set up to be acquired. Most of my clients want to remain independent law firms, and so I think that's a great way to kind of get the ball rolling, get started, get people involved. And once you bring in all these ideas, I, I think uh, our, our survey we did with John Sterling, it's in Legal Management Magazine, talks about firms that go beyond just an internal exercise, but look externally at what are our competitors doing. Let's engage our clients in what they think we do well, where we need to improve, what we're known for, those sorts of things. Engage your clients. They seem to come up with a better plan, firms that look externally as well as internally, according to the data we've collected um, in, in um, a survey we did with the Association of Legal Administrators last year.
Um, look at your client list, all these things. John, we're kind of coming to the end of our time here. So I wondered, you've given us, you know, ways to start the process. Can you briefly give us uh, keys to successful implementations? Absolutely. Keep it simple, stupid. The old KISS principle. Get people rallied around that vision much as you can. The more clearly you define it, the more likely you are to get there. You know what you're shooting at. And then from that, what are the three things, just three that we're going to work on as a firm over the next 12 to 18 months to move us in the direction we want to go. Keep it simple, realistic, achievable. Don't try to take on too much too fast. The longer the list, the less likely we are to implement. But once you develop those three one-year, 18-month priorities, assign some specificity. Who, what, where, when. Deadlines and commitments. Who's responsible to get it done? And I think here's where a lot of firms tend to, well intended, but they tend to fall down a bit, is they don't bring specificity to their goals and objectives. They don't assign accountability. um, And you end up with a long wish list of things that tends not to get done. So I think that's a key to successful implementation. Keep it simple, three objectives, and uh, uh, specificity and, and accountability assigned to those objectives. Perfect. Are there any good resources you can briefly recommend? There are many. Uh, If you just go out and and, uh, look at uh, law firm strategic planning on the web, I think you'll come to, uh, hopefully you'll come to the managingpartnerforum.org. We have a whole section dedicated to strategic planning. Association of Legal Administrators, alanet.org, has a lot of information about planning and the business side of running a law firm. Uh, Altman Weil, uh, a great set of articles and resources there. Uh, the ABA has uh, a number of books on law firm strategic planning, marketing, business development as such. So those are four resources you can check out. But there's much written in this area, and it's not rocket science. It really isn't. Keep it simple. Get everybody involved and uh, come up with some meaningful things that are going to make an impactful difference on your firm and its culture and its performance. Well, I like that notion of keeping it simple. I think they often make it way too complicated, and they don't prioritize, and they don't involve everybody. So we're very grateful, John, that you were with us today. And certainly some of your new fresh statistics are very invaluable to our listeners. And hopefully everybody is now turbocharged to get together and make a strategic plan, one that will work and improve their processes and improve the profitability of the firm. And in general, I think if you're right, if you don't have a plan, your possibilities for survival may be somewhat diminished. Well, you're just kind of drifting in the water and hope and pray is not a good strategy in today's marketplace. So thank you very much again, John. It was wonderful to have you today. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us. Well, I thank you. I appreciate being with you and uh, hopefully your audience got some good stuff out of today's session. You bet they did. And that does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to the Digital Edge. Produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. 
Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.